Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have now to come into your presence, to read from your word, to hear what your word has to say to us. We ask that you clear away any distractions that may compete for our attention, that you open our ears and our eyes, and that these words, although they were written so long ago, will become infused by the power of your Holy Spirit and that they will speak the gospel truth to us today. Thank you for this time that we have here together in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week we wrapped up a series on the covenants in the the Old Testament, and uh, this isn't really a continuation of that series. We're we're done with that, but I kind of want to piggyback on on that and where we left off, because uh, we talked a lot through that series about becoming God's people, becoming His uh, His nation, His His chosen people, and uh, and we ended it with His covenant to David that there would always be a king to reign over his people, an everlasting king. And we determined that that is, is Jesus, that he is the king who reigns over his people wherever we allow him to reign, where we, wherever we give him that authority to reign. So as we come to this parable today where Jesus is talking to his disciples about the importance uh, in prayer, the consistency in prayer, uh, we see that, that what he's talking about is ushering in the kingdom and changing the world and, and, its, uh, and its, its broken ways through uh, consistency in prayer. Now there's three ways to look at this, this parable. Uh, Jesus talks about the, the judge who is, is wicked and, and he doesn't care about justice, he doesn't fear God, he doesn't respect people, and so he's not going to give this woman what she's asking for. He's not going to give her fair treatment. But she keeps hounding him, she keeps talking about it, and then finally he gives in. Now some people will take this parable and, and they'll, they'll say, okay, well what Jesus is saying is, is God is like the judge. He may not give us what we want at first, but as long as we keep praying and we keep asking him, eventually he'll, uh, he'll give in. Unfortunately, I think it's uh, a little bit dangerous to compare God to, to the judge in this because, I mean, the judge himself 
says that he doesn't care about justice. The judge himself says that he doesn't care about people. And Jesus calls the, ju- the judge unfair and unjust. So uh, we, we shouldn't compare the judge to God in this parable. Uh, but another option for this, this parable that, that some people take is, is that we could say it's an if this, then how much more this? In other words, if you look back uh, a few chapters earlier in Luke and chapter 11, Jesus says, um, any of you fathers or any of you mothers, if your, your, your child asks for food, if he asks for something to eat, would you give them a snake? And then he says, if you who are sinful would give your child good things, how much more would the Father in heaven give good things to his children? Because God is perfect, unlike you. So we have a situation here where we could say that about this parable. Okay, if the judge is wicked and the judge will give in to this woman's request, then how much more will, can we expect God to, to answer our prayers because he is not wicked like the judge was? And, and there's certainly a case to be made for that way of looking at this parable too. And a lot of people uh, do, do see it and read it that way. Uh, but today, for the sake of today's sermon and for the sake of what we've been talking about, I want to look at it just a little bit differently. I want to look at this parable as, as Jesus giving us a, a glimpse into how we can change the world, how we can overturn corrupt systems in the world through our prayer life. Remember, we are talking about ushering in the kingdom of God. And we live in a world where the kingdom of sin is prevalent. There, there, is, there is a broken world all around us. There is a dark empire of injustice. And Jesus is saying that in the face of injustice, if you are faithful and you push forward, the kingdom of God can be ushered in there in the midst of that. Now, let's go back to talking about this judge and, and what, uh, the way he was reacting to this widow. Um, it's, it gets lost on us, I think, a little bit uh, in our culture. Uh, we, we take some things for granted. But this wouldn't have been lost on the, the hearers of this parable when Jesus told it. Women and their place in society was a lot different back then. It was a lot different in, in this culture. If a woman was married to someone and, and that man died, his property, his belongings didn't go to her. It went to his brother. And if she wanted to still have any part of that, then she had to hope that, that, that her, her former husband's brother would marry her so that she could still retain use of the property and of the home and, and all of that. So that was sort of the place that, that widows had. They were at mercy of, of, their, um, of the family of the one who had passed away, their, their husband that had passed away. And so women were in this, this awkward position already if there were widows. Okay. Now, in the legal system, women could not stand up and speak for themselves. They would have a man do it. They would have a lawyer or their husband or a brother or somebody stand in their place because women just did not approach a judge back then. So here we have a situation where a woman is a widow. She, she probably doesn't have the legal right to much of anything. She doesn't have a, a man to stand up for her and present her case to the judge. So she's having to do it all on her own. And, and she is asking for justice, and she's not getting it. 
And we know Jesus uh, cried out for justice. Jesus sought justice. And, and he also uh, treated women fairly. We see throughout the Gospels that he is talking to women, not like they're second-class citizens, but that he is refusing to condemn them. He is forgiving them. He is talking to the ones that the society has shunned. And, and then we read in the book of James that pure and undefiled religion is taking care of orphans and widows in their time of need. So you see Jesus places a high value on bringing justice to widows. And so Jesus is with all of that in mind that Jesus is delivering this parable. And he's saying that there is a judge here who doesn't care about any of that. There is a judge who doesn't want to deal fairly with this woman. There is a judge here who does not care that she, she isn't being heard by anybody. And it's in that, it's in the face of oppression and injustice that her persistence pays off. But she has to be persistent. She has to remain faithful. She has to keep coming back and keep working and keep working. And Jesus says at the beginning of this parable that the point of it is, is to teach them about prayer. Sometimes when we see a, a parable in, in Scripture, we sort of have to dig for what it might mean. But he says right at the beginning that this, this deals with prayer, your prayer life. So he, he is saying you must stay consistent. You must persist if you want to change the injustices around you. You have to cultivate you have to continue to, to, to cultivate and nurture that prayer life and stay consistent. Sometimes that means just staying faithful, staying patient, hoping you last longer than the forces of evil that are working around you. Muhammad Ali used to uh, do what they call the rope-a-dope when he would fight. He would lean against the ropes he would sort of cover up and duck, and he would let his opponent wear themselves out swinging. And then in about the seventh or eighth round, when they were tired, then he would come back and attack. But he was very patient. He persisted. He didn't go out there, fight the good fight, the hard fight for a round or two, and then give up. He had to stand there and be patient. And that is what Jesus is saying with our prayer life. If we're going to change the world around us, we can't just hit it hard for a round or two and then back off. We must be willing to stand there and be patient. And yes, we're going to take some licks. We're going to take some blows. But the goal is to outlast the injustice around us as we are persistent in ushering in the kingdom of God. Paul talked about this when he said, I've fought the good fight. I've run the good race. The same Paul who said, pray without ceasing. And you say, all of this sounds good and all, but how do, we, how, how do we pray that consistently? How do we pray without ceasing? I mean, if I just spent all day praying, I wouldn't have time for anything else. But we make our lives a prayer. And how do we do that? By recognizing God as the source of all things good and all things holy. Because if that is always on your mind, if that is always on your heart, if you always have that at the front of everything, that God is the source of all things good and holy, throughout the day when something good happens, your heart will be filled with thanksgiving. You'll give a shout out to God. Throughout the day as, as, as you encounter a crisis or, or something, a need, you'll recognize God is the source of all good things, all things good and holy, and He can, he can meet that need. And so you meet Him in petition. And so if you have that as your first and foremost thought every day, 
God is the source of all things good and holy. Your life becomes a prayer. And as you encounter any situation, good or bad, God is just a shout away. He's right there. You can talk to Him at any time. And it's good to set aside time. It is good to set aside time and say, I'm going to sit down with God and just have prayer time. That, that is a wonderful thing. But I think so often we think, I need to wait till I can get home and sit down and have some quiet, and then I'll pray to God about this thing. We don't have to do that. We can pray to Him all day long with our lives, with the way we talk, with the way we interact with each other, being mindful of His presence, being mindful of His interaction with us. It's an open line of communication. I have a uh, missionary friend who, who works in Africa, and he, um, he has a blog, and he wrote an article one time about communication, about talking to God. It's kind of like being on a phone call, and, and if you never say amen, then you never hang up. And, and that's true. If you think about it, when you pray, when you say amen, it kind of gives you this, this moment of closure. Like, the prayer is over now. I'm going to turn back to all these other things. And certainly in the service, I need to say amen or amen at the end of the prayers, or else you all would just be confused. You wouldn't know what I was doing. But throughout your life, you don't have to say in your daily personal prayers to God, you don't have to say amen. Because if you refuse to say amen at the end of your prayers, it does something to your mind. And you go throughout the day feeling like that prayer is still going. It's just been, maybe it's been paused a little while. Maybe, you know, you've gotten distracted. But the prayer is ongoing. You don't say amen. You can just keep coming back to it. And I know that's, that's a little psychological trick, I guess. But the point is that we never stop praying. We can set aside time alone with God. But we can also talk to Him at all those spaces in between as well. You see, we have to keep that open line of communication to keep that relationship healthy. That should, uh, we should be able to understand that in the world we live in with cell phones and iPads and text messaging and all that. Even when I go up to uh, Emory and I'm there on campus, I, I still feel like in a weird way that, uh, that Claire is right there with me because I have my cell phone and I know that at any moment she could text me about something. Or if a thought pops into my head, I can pull out that phone and I can send her a message real quick. Or I can take a picture of something I'm looking at and send it to her. And so you have that feeling of just this open communication that's always there. And we have that with God. We don't even need the cell phone. We just have that open communication with God at all times. But we have to keep that. Because if we're talking about ushering in a kingdom, how are we going to bring in a kingdom without being knowledgeable about what the king wants and what the king is doing. You see, I said earlier, we, we live in this, this broken empire, this dark empire of, of sin and, and failure and injustice. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is an insurgent kingdom that comes in. As, the kingdom is not just a word we use in church. It's real. It allows Jesus to come in and rule and to correct and fix things where the world has gone wrong. But we have to know what the king is saying, what the king wants us to do. And as ambassadors, we have to be persistent. We have to refuse to give up. 
Now, I know today in our society we, we like things to be fast and efficient and we like things to be done quickly and we, we lose interest quickly. We burn out easily. People will protest injustice fervently and passionately until they get hungry and then they got to go make a sandwich and it's, it's over. That's the world we live in. People burn out quickly. I'll give you an example with my beloved New England Patriots. Almost two years ago, Tom Brady was wrongfully accused of deflating footballs. And, uh, and there was no evidence that he did this. The only evidence you know anybody had was that he, he destroyed his cell phone, and so that must mean he was trying to hide something. And, and the commissioner of the NFL suspended him for four games. The same commissioner who earlier in the year had suspended Ray Rice only two games for punching and knocking out his girlfriend, which was caught on camera. And so Tom Brady was suspended for four games, and, uh, and he appealed it. He said that there was no – the NFL had overstepped their bounds by, by levying this, this punishment. And I remember listening to talk radio during the time, and all these Patriot fans were just so – Angry, And they were saying, hey, he needs to fight this thing to the end. He needs to appeal this, take it all the way to the Supreme Court if he has to. They have no right to suspend him for four games over this when they don't have any evidence. And, of course, Tom, Tom Brady uh, appealed. He won. Uh, they overturned his suspension, and he played. Well, then the NFL also appealed, and then they won. And so the next court says, well, we're reinstating his suspension. And so at the beginning of, of the 2016 season, he's going to be suspended those four games for something almost two years ago. And the, now I'm hearing on talk radio the same Patriots fans who were saying, fight this to the end, take it to the Supreme Court. They're all saying, oh, I'm so tired of this. I'm ready for him just to just do the suspension and let's get it over with. I'm tired of hearing about it. And, and they don't, they're just tired of hearing about it. They, they've given up. They don't want to fight anymore. And that's the world we live in. And, and whether or not you like the Patriots or believe Tom Brady or anything's irrelevant. I'm, I'm just saying that's, that's our nature these days. We fight something passionately and we stand there and we say we're not going to move. And then after just a little while, we get discouraged and we back down. And sometimes we'll call it compromise for the sake of unity or, or whatever, we, how, whatever nice way we want to put it. But really what it is, is we've backed down. We are not persistent. We are not ushering in the kingdom of God as fervently and as passionately as we once were. And I see that happening in the church all across America. Uh, we've lost our heart for evangelism. And the reason why is because we've become discouraged. We've realized that in this broken world, that when we push evangelism, when we push the gospel message of Jesus Christ and, and, and how he can save us, people don't want to hear it, and they push back. And we stand there and we fight and we stand up for it for a little while, and then after a little while we say, well, people don't really want to hear this message. I just won't talk about it as much. And what happens? When we don't talk about it as much, we don't pray about it as much, and we don't think about it as much. And then, even here, where Jesus Christ should reign in our hearts and in our minds, we start to lose it. And the world out here has changed us. 
And instead of us taking the kingdom that is here, where he has set up his throne and taking it out there and changing the world, we've allowed the world to come in and change us because we weren't persistent. We weren't consistent. We weren't insistent that God's justice reign rather than the evil ways of the world. Stay persistent. Stay vigilant. Run the good race and fight the good fight. Most importantly, let us remember to pray and to pray without ceasing. Because when your life becomes a prayer, Jesus Christ can reign more fully and more freely and the unjust empire of this fallen world will begin to crumble all around us as the kingdom of God takes its place. Turn with me to page 12 in your hymnals. We have the opportunity this morning to come to the table, to share the bread, to share the wine, the body and the blood of Christ. To unite together under the banner of the King. So please read with me, starting on page 12. Read along responsibly. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.